following is a member of the Growler Media Podcast Network. Find out more at growlermedia.com. Ming's not unbeatable. With all his men, he couldn't even kill Flash. Gordon's alive! Welcome to Flash Gordon Minute, presenting your hosts... From Minute of Darkness and the Cosmic Geppetto Podcast, Brad. And introducing your intrepid explorer of Planet Mongo, Eric. We are at Minute 37 of Flash Gordon. Eric, how you doing? Hey, Brad. You know what? When it's time for me to re-enter the Earth, I'm going to entrust you to speak to my wife about making sure that my remains get as stylish a treatment as Flash's do. That is some damn, damn stylish stuff. So yes, I will. I will make sure that happens. Thank you. Uh, we are blessed again to have with us the fantastic uh, guest. Uh, you have heard her on Cosmic Geppetto podcast. She is the uh, one of only three people to ever host the show, and uh, it, she's amazing. It's Kathleen Mocklin. Kathleen, how are you? Hey, 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 everybody. Yes, Queen. Yes, Queen. I'm good. <laughs> Still trapped, still trapped in my house. It's fine. It's totally fine. Happy to be here. So <laughs> we're, we're, we're lucky to have you. Uh, we had a lot of fun talking yesterday. We're going to uh, another zany minute, uh, which I guess that's just what they all are. I should stop being surprised and stop saying that it's a crazy minute, a flash gordon minute. This movie is crazy. I, it's, it's, it's a given. But uh, let's get into the minute. Uh, Eric, can you, uh, can you recap us? Well, I'm going to start off with something we teased on yesterday's show. Clytus brought the execution to a beginning by waving his handkerchief. And now in this minute, he has possibly the most Clytus move of the entire movie. He sniffs the handkerchief. I love it. What is he doing? Oh, weird. What a weirdo. Like, people who... I love it. People who sniff things and have a foot fetish are just like, what, what the hell? <laughs> like, what is wrong with you? Clearly you're, well, he is a serial killer, most likely. I mean, he kills people, so that makes sense. But it's still weird. What is he even sniffing? It was just on the ground, right? Like, what's on the ground? I don't understand. I don't understand. It's weird. weird. Uh, I, I think it's pretty hard to argue. This stuff don't make no sense. What is he sniffing? What is, well, let, let me rephrase. Eric, what do you think he's doing? I think he's sniffing the handkerchief. I think he's doing exactly what we see him doing. But why? Because he's Clytus. What he would say to you is, why not? That is what he would say. I, I just, I, I actually rewound and watched a couple times. Is like, did he take it off of Flash? Did someone drop it? Am I forgetting a scene where Aura gave him an undergarment? What happened? Why is he doing this? Did he wipe or wipe, did, did he wipe Dale's tears or something in a previous scene that got deleted? I don't know because tears are apparently foreign to them. That's the only thing I can think of. But he is at the complete opposite part of the room, isn't he? He's nowhere near Dale, right? No, he's not. Dale's up behind glass, up like a balcony. Yeah, I, I don't know. This dude's a freak, y'all. I have no idea. He's cool as hell, goth as hell. Love it. He's a great villain. Um, but weird. And it's just like, dude, don't make any sense. It's just a freaking handkerchief. There's nothing to smell. I don't know. 
I don't know. Unless like he wipes like, you know how people stress sweat? Maybe he was like getting too excited and maybe he had to like, I don't know, dry off a bit. Maybe his armpits or something and he's a weirdo and like smelling them. I don't know. I don't know. But it's weird. Maybe he uses it to polish his arm and mask and he's smelling the pledge. On oh, the he's getting high. Oh, that's even freakier. <laughs> he's watching the dude die and he's getting off and he's getting high while he's doing it. He's like glue sniffing. Oh my God. Oh my God. Clytus is huffing in this scene. There's glue <laughs> underneath that handkerchief. There's an open bottle of glue and he is huffing glue. We solved it. We're awesome. Still weird, though. <laughs> be great if there was another scene of like Clytus like doing whippets and just finding every other suburban trash way of getting stoned. I mean, there's a lot of like weird. There's that green hallucinogenic drink later on in the movie, but I want to know in this scene what Ming is sipping in that pimp chalice, y'all. Like, what kinds of beverages are happening on this planet? Like. I feel like science fiction has classic, weird adult beverages or just drinks in general. You've got Star Wars, the classic blue milk, you know, like what kind of like what would what would it be like a fermented wine? Would it be the blood of his enemies? I mean, that would make sense. Um, I would just say if 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 Ming offers you a sip, don't. (laughs) It could kill you. It could Cosby you. It, 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 whatever, just don't. <laughs> I just, I love that you guys have just set up a segue for me without you guys even realizing you set up a segue for me. Uh, because I, I, Max von Sydow, who of course plays Ming, who we're talking about drinking something, also appears in the classic comedy Strange Brew oh uh, with uh, the McKenzie brothers. And I recently. Uh, Dave Thomas, who is one of the two McKenzie brothers, was recently on Gilbert Gottfried's podcast. And if any Max von Sydow fans want to hear a fun little tidbit, go to the one hour and six minute mark of the Dave Thomas episode of Gilbert Gottfried's podcast. And there's about a three minutes story of what it was like casting and working with Max von Sydow and Strange Brew. And it's just it's just a great three minutes of, of radio to listen to remember watching Strange Brew as a child and no idea what the hell I was watching. It, 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 I was like, I what? I, I specifically remember <laughs> one point where the McKenzie brothers had like a mouse in a bottle. I was like, hey, dear, there's a, there's a mouse in the bottle. I was like, what? <laughs> that sounds strange. <laughs> and and I, I like uh, Dave Thomas very much. Uh, a very gifted comedian. You know, one of those actors who he's had to do a lot of crap because he's not a big enough name to to always be doing A-list stuff. But uh, he always adds a little bit of class to whatever he does. And and who doesn't love Rick Moranis? I miss Rick Moranis. Oh, one of my favorite actors. I know that he had a falling. Well, I mean, maybe I'm wrong, um, but I know that he had a falling out after John Candy passed away, right? Because well, no, what happened was his his wife passed away, um, and he decided that he wanted to he wanted to be with his kids with his wife gone. He wanted to just raise his kids and spend time with his kids, so he essentially retired. I miss seeing him and stuff. I really do. He pops up in voice work every now and then because that's sort of something you can do from anywhere. And he and Dave Thomas basically did a McKenzie Brothers shtick in the movie 
Brother Bear, which was sort of one of the lesser Disney animated films, but uh, yeah, but they did, an, but it was it was fun. It was just great hearing them again and basically doing the same like dim Canadian thing that they had done for so well and perfected. But this isn't Mackenzie Brotherman. But they're not in Flash Gordon. <laughs> Uh, I, I'm wondering, Kathleen, you mentioned in uh, yesterday's show that there was a, a music cue that you thought may, might have been this minute, and I'm wondering if this is what you're talking about, uh, because we've we've got a non... A, we've got our 12th Howard Blake non-queen music cue in this minute, after Flash, quote-unquote, dies in the gas chamber. So, world, I want to correct and check myself, and it was this minute that I was like, that... I was like, that ain't my queen. That was no queen. That wasn't a Yas queen. That was a no queen moment in music. So definitely this one. The the cue is based on the queen song from earlier in the movie when Ming's first entering the giant hall. But this is specifically is not played by queen. This is a Howard Blake moment. Ah, so I was, my ears are good. Okay. I'm a little, I'm a little proud of myself. All right. Thanks, Eric. Thank you. Yeah. You got it. Tight. Uh, <laughs> I need to get out. This is just like too much being inside for what, five days now, four days. I can't even count anymore. <laughs> but um, I don't know. I, I know that Brad, Eric, I know that Brad likes bringing me on to bring like a woman's perspective on things. And there was a scene in here. And I think I know, you know, the one that I'm talking about. It was kind of happening earlier on in this movie on the plane when, you know, they originally crashed. And Dale just gets a case of the vapors trope. Like that cliche, like the week, oh, I just, I can't handle it. The vapors. And she just like faint. And um, I'm just, again, I, I know I've noted this in the last minute or yesterday. And I'm just like really shocked that this trope is in this movie because it's 1980. This is the height of the women's live movement. I know that if you've heard the uh, Wonder Woman uh, podcast that we did together with some amazing women that I was with, this was an, an important year in the women's live movement. So just seeing this kind of shocked me, but it was an Italian director. I don't know if that had anything to do with it. It shouldn't have. No, the director's British. The producer's Italian, but the director's British. Thank you. Okay. Yes. So we've got British non-American people on this. So maybe, I don't know. There's not a lot of connection there, but anyway. And of course you're talking about the classic damsel in distress faint that she has in this minute. Yeah. But I'm wondering if that was done on purpose. Like maybe she was in on the joke. Cause Flash Gordon was a, what a thirties, forties comic strip, right? Yeah. So maybe she had it in her mind, like, Oh, I'm going to do the whole mid Atlantic accent thing and do the damsel in distress type thing on this role. Because they probably just told them, oh, this was like a 1930s comic strip that y'all are redoing and you're playing this character. So, I mean, it works that she's in on the joke, but I don't know. It just It's just weird because there's a scene later on in the movie where she's totally just kicking butt. Well, and what is crazy is the second time this happened, I feel like she, in just the last few minutes, I think she fainted when Flash was uh, condemned to death, if I'm remembering right. Yeah, it was when he died. Like, he actually was, there's a close-up of his hand, and he's just grasping for those last moments of life, like, oh, No, it, it definitely happened in this minute, but I'm just saying it also happened, like, it just happened recently. So it was like twice in the span of five, six minutes, 
she feels. Oh, yeah. I was like, wow. So somebody, she really needs to have some uh, smelling salts with her to keep her awake. Well, maybe she can get what's ever under, you know, the handkerchief, you know. <laughs> but who knows what that would do to her. Or maybe some, like, the, you know, there was a draft. Maybe there's, like, it's too strong for earthlings. And, you know, if a little bit kind of like pepper spray just like gets like wafted at her, she just can't handle it. Maybe that's what happened. I don't know. Well, this is it, it's a trope that thankfully I believe has gone away. I'm, I'm trying to remember the last time I saw a TV show or a movie where there was the, 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 the young woman so overwhelmed with her circumstance that she just is like, I think I feel faint, like holds her hand to her head and just hits the ground like a ton of bricks. I, I feel like it's been a while since I've seen that. No, I, I think it's dead and I'm happy about that. So um, I haven't seen it. I'm glad it's gone. It was, but when I watch older movies, um, not like the classics, like thirties, forties and fifties, but when you get into more like the seventies and eighties and nineties, like if you still, it's a little weird, you know, thankfully I think it's gone in nowadays, which, which I'm happy about. But, um, and also in this minute, you know, so he's grasping on to the last moments of life. You know, I feel really bad. Like flash seems like such a cool guy that you could grab like a beer with, you know? Um, and so he's dead. And then you've got these, I love a good like knell of a requiem bell going when someone dies. It's super dark and goth and macabre. Don't get me wrong. And it was just funny to me. I don't know. Cause you've got all this like great music from queen and you've just got some of these cliche kind of like folly sounds like coming in and stuff. But this like trophy room, like what is up? Like Ming has trophy rooms for each person that he kills. Is that's what, is that what's going on here? What is going on here? <laughs> yeah, Eric, we got, we got to sort of pick this apart. Yeah. Let's get this. Let's get to this coffin scene. Cause this is so out of control. First of all, you, you got these weird guys, and it looks like they're polishing the coffin, which I don't know. I, I just, I don't know what the hell you have to polish a coffin for. Then, when they're done polishing the coffin, by the way, they start fighting each other and whipping each other with the rags that they just polished the coffin with. There's a lot of like weird sex stuff going on in this movie. We're just not seeing. Um, Maybe Ming's a necrophiliac. I have no idea. Like, we've got dudes potentially sniffing glue under handkerchiefs and, like, Lord knows what else. So, and there's a mirror? There's a <laughs> mirror in this coffin, y'all. Like, I, I have a theory about that. I have a, I have a no, I want to attempt to get my no prize here, that that's for when Ming really hates someone and buries them alive. So you can stare at yourself in the mirror as you solely suffocate. But... They never know who he's going to bury alive or who he's going to kill, so they just make every coffin with a mirror. Oh, my God. That's cold, y'all. That's like cold, harsh, evil shiznit right there. I love it. He's so <laughs> evil. Oh, my God. I love this guy. He's awesome. Um, but, like, the little minion guys you're talking about, so they, so they hear someone coming and they scurry off. Do they just, like, live in there, or is it kind of, like... People underneath the stairs, they just live in these tunnels throughout the palace or something. Like I had that same note. Do they live there? They each have their own little door to run into. Yeah. I want to see a movie. I'm always, I, I love revisionist stuff and seeing things from other characters' perspective. And I kind of want to see a little short film on what it's like to be one of those little minions living in the walls of the palace. Kind of like uh, Downton Abbey, but with 
you know, Ming's minions, Ming's minions. That's good alliteration. Um, but that's, I don't know. So that's a note I had too, Eric. I'm glad we're on the same page. This- well, I also find it stunning that those minions are there and it looks like at first they're working there and they're putting together the, you know, polishing the casket. But then Ara and the doctor are doing all this crap that they say can get them in trouble right in front of them. They are not worried about getting ratted out. No. Well, I think that goes into, you know, servants, you know, domestics, minions. You don't, they're lesser than people. So who the hell cares if they hear anything, but they should care. Because, man, I bet those minions know dirt on everybody. No, oh, well, Eric, you, you got to describe this casket because this casket's amazing. Yeah. So, first of all, Flash's name is in the font that his name was in on the cover of People magazine oh, from the that's beginning true. of the movie. Yeah. All right? So, what, is that just Ming saying, like, hey, I saw this guy was important on Earth, so ha ha ha, now he's dead? I mean, how the hell does Ming know the font from People magazine? Yeah, I think normally he's more of an Us Weekly guy, but I think he gets a free subscription with his, uh, you know, it's one of those where if you're a Sports Illustrated subscriber, you can get like four free weeks of People magazine. I'm betting that's what happened here. It doesn't make any damn sense. I think Ming has a thing. <laughs> I think Ming has a thing for Flash Gordon and has totally been like his level of Facebook stalking this dude, like from his little telescope from far, far away. And he's just like, oh, whoa, you know. And now in, like, some weird way, he's just keeping him as this, like, dead sex doll in, like, some, like, weird trophy dungeon. Like, oh, my God, this movie is just a treasure. I know I keep saying that, but it's just a treasure. And then uh, Aura comes in with the doctor. And Aura, I really dig her. She reminds me so much of Barbarella, like Jane Fonda's Barbarella so much. And while every ounce of my feminist is just like, no. You can't like this. Like, it's it's still cool. I think she's really cool. She's, like, totally in control. She's totally cool. Yeah, she uses her sexuality to get what she wants. But you know what? Like, she's woman owns it. Yeah, it, it, she has at least agency when she does that. And um, we're going to talk a little bit about it in the next minute where there is a little bit of weirdness with that uh, when the doctor kisses her. But, um, yeah, she... I mean, she's doing this because she likes, she says she likes Flash. So, yeah, there's some weird politics going on here. But because she has agency and authority over it, it, I think it takes a little bit of this thing out. But in in fairness, you'd be the one who should really have that opinion, Kathleen. Yeah, I think that's why. I mean, I... When, women have intuition. I, I know that sounds cliche, but, like, I just felt a little more okay with this when I saw her and I feel like it's because she has that agency. She's doing what she wants for herself. No one's making her do anything. In fact, she's going against what people are trying to tell her to do. So she's got agency. She's doing what she wants more power to her, you know, go princess Aura. So, um, but I really, so I know that you guys needed some people who were like huge queen fans to come on this show and I really wanted to talk about some Queen just for a hot minute if we've got some time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Talk, yeah. Let's have some Queen talk. Sure. And we're, and we're, we're definitely going to talk Queen in, in tomorrow's minute, by the way, because we got a really interesting song tomorrow. Oh, yeah. I just, so everyone out there, I'm a huge 
huge Queen fan, grew up with Queen. I have Queen on my playlist and just it, it drives my husband crazy sometimes. <laughs> I'm just constantly singing bicycle, bicycle. I ride my bicycle like just at the gym in front of everybody. And I don't really care because Queen is freaking fantastic. And, you know, they're so perfect, so perfect for this movie. They've got that big like space rock epic sound. Um, they're a bunch of nerds too in real life. It's just a perfect marriage. And I know that y'all mentioned this earlier, but I could not imagine Pink Floyd doing the music for this movie. It would be a completely different tone, completely different tone. So I really feel like as soon as Queen was like, what? Flash Gordon, sci-fi? Yes. Yes, Queen. Yes, Queen will do it. You know, um, but I don't think a lot, and I know that Queen's been referenced in a lot of movies. Y'all mentioned um, Wayne's World. I feel that's where a lot of people know Queen from and they got really into it. But they've also been on like Shaun of the Dead, Scott Pilgrim, El Enchanted. And they composed another theme song for another little sci-fi fantasy movie classic called Highlander. Okay, I'm going to backtrack that a little bit. But I, I thought like they've done a lot of stuff. Oh yeah, love the. I actually think I remember in college there was. Um, well, let me backtrack a little myself. When uh, my senior year of high school, I worked at Video Update, uh, which was hey kids, there used to be video stores, and we would have to play trailers in the uh, in the like the store TVs all the time. And one of them was for Highlander, and they would just played it all the time, and that. Princes of the Universe song played constantly. And it was such a, just a punchy, perfect song. And then when I was in college, there was like a, the, the theater group that I hung out with, there was a bunch of people that were huge fans of Highlander and not just for the music, but also because that was a real interesting visual film. There was uh, some great uh, scene changes and, uh, just it, it was a very interesting it was a real interesting movie with the camera work and so I, i'm very familiar with that and it, it was you know, we've sort of mentioned before queen is so damn good at doing what they do and being able to have two very different movies um that, that relied on their music and then you go to other movies that they've been featured in including wayne's world where you know wayne's world isn't quite the movie it would be if not for that uh bohemian rhapsody song so you know wayne's world couldn't be any more different than highlander that couldn't be any more different from uh flash uh, flash gordon so uh yeah yeah queen's uh queen's amazing queen is amazing and queen kit rules my world and uh i i love how versatile they are with their sound like they started off with kind of that hard 70s rock kind of had like some southern rock tones to it and then it really got into they do some vaudevillian sounds too like kind of like ragtime jazzy stuff that's fun which i really like because i love the silly stuff and then you get more into like the 80s with the synthesizer power ballad type stuff but oh they're just like ah they're absolutely brilliant and i love how they're a bunch of nerds so it makes it extra perfect that they're in this movie um and brad eric forgive me if you've talked about this on another minute but brian may shredder of guitars melter of faces um i didn't know this about him i knew he had like a science background 
but I didn't know that he had a scientific career as a physicist. Did you know that he had a PhD <laughs> in physics? Okay. Yeah. Ah, crap. Yeah, we okay. Well, well, he he did, <laughs> and that just makes me love him even more. It's just like, oh my god, here's this dude that at one time, instead of using normal picks, used pennies or something because the sound has like a better frequency or something and just knowing that he got a phd and started it from 1974 and didn't get it till 2007 right around the time i got my master's like i'm just like oh my god he's an academic nerd like so hot and like cool at the same time um and then i don't know if y'all covered this about freddie mercury but like his real name and where he's from did y'all talk about that at all I, that sounds that sounds familiar to me, Brad. That we talked about that, right? Eh, we could do it one more time. Yeah, it, if, at, at this point, it was probably what people listening six weeks ago or something. They they forgot about it by now. No, well, I don't know. I was just kind of putting some things together from what I had heard and knew growing up, and so obviously Freddie Mercury is not his real name. Um, he was born in Tanzania, and his real name is. Uh, Forgive me if I am butchering this people from Tanzania. I am so sorry. It's Farouk Bolsara or Bolsara is his last name. And, you know, after Tanzania, he went to school in India for a time. And then there was a lot of like social unrest going on um, in that area. So he went to the UK later on. But while he was in India, he was heavily influenced by Bollywood, like all the costuming that happens in Bollywood. And so I feel like that really influenced uh, all the costumes that he had on stage. And if, if y'all don't know Freddie Mercury that well or Queen, like he is one of the most iconic frontmen of all time for any band as far as like just his voice, his presence, but his costumes were just oh, fabulous, like absolutely fabulous. And I would argue that he got that influence from his Bollywood when days when he was in India. So... Um, but also I really think like he's a nerd too. Cause his last name Mercury is, you know, like the planet, like the, the Roman God, Mercury, the messenger of the gods. And he's had a couple of quotes before where he's like, you know, I'm from the gods or I'm like sending messages from the gods or something like that. So I don't know. I just thought that was kind of cool. Like, you know, he's definitely got this astrological nerdiness and you've got Brian May who is a you know physicist and like studies like space dust like that kind of sounds cool it's you no know, maybe like space dust rings i have no idea the dude studies dust in space that's all i know dust in space <laughs> i don't know i just really love being on the show cuz it got me to love queen even more like if i don't know if it makes any sense eric but like revisiting this movie just like made me love queen like even more, which I didn't think was possible. So yeah, I mean, this movie. I, I saw this movie uh, when I was in kindergarten, but I saw it when it actually came out in 1980 in kindergarten. So this movie was my introduction to Queen. I mean, at that age, I might have known "We Are the Champions" or "We Will Rock You," but my first memories of Queen are watching this movie and the awesomeness of the music in this movie. So you know, I've been listening to this soundtrack for the last. 30s, 40s, years. Um, and, you know, as I got older, I, I discovered more of their music, but, I, you know, always come back to this soundtrack as just, you know, the thing that, that started it all for me. Awesome. 
you know, I want to save some some more stuff on Queen for tomorrow. So I don't want to. There's just so much. I feel like there could be a whole podcast just on Queen. But I'm Brad. I'm trying to like trying to calm myself down. So <laughs> well, we have, we will have more chances to talk Queen tomorrow. Uh, and, and listen, it's wonderful that you're excited, and uh, we've been very lucky with this show. We've had just amazing guests, and uh, not a dud among them. But what's been fun is Flash Gordon is an interesting movie where there it, it's it's a movie that has stood the test of time because people still like this movie, still so people still watch this movie. It, it gets played quite a bit on uh, movie channels, but it's not Star Wars. It's not a movie that it's a rite of passage to watch. So we've had guests that have been wildly excited about this film, and then we've had guests who it, the, talking to us was the first time that they had watched it. And same with Queen, where people love Queen, but Queen and, and Queen has a decent amount of uh, cultural saturation. But because their music is so different, and because one song doesn't sound like the next song, um, and even though Freddie Mercury has a distinctive voice, but because their sounds so different, sometimes people don't even know what songs are Queen songs. I remember going through that, where um, probably my favorite Queen song is crazy little thing called love which is an amazing song but it's hard to believe that th- that song is from the same guy who did we will rock you is from the same ba- same band that did pressure i mean it's it it doesn't make sense almost it's amazing they really they go from that hard rock to like they, they're getting into like the synthesizer post-punk new wave thing and then they come out with like a rockabilly song which is crazy little thing called love basically and then they've got like just like it's their albums are just like all over the place and i love them for that like i hate bands that just they have to sound like and i know brad you really like pearl jam but like like i i I want versatility in my bands and i'm not knocking pearl jam i'm just using them as an example like every pearl jam song has that pearl jam sound and they, they they found their footing and that's wonderful and i'm not knocking them for it but there's not a lot of like versatility there to me, like it, in comparison to Queen. There's not as much. No, no, I, I think that's pretty hard to argue. Pearl Jam has a, a Pearl Jam sound, and they... away from Brad because I don't know how he's going to react to what I just said. <laughs> Brad, get down! Get down! Come on! <laughs> you're, you're trashing Flash Gordon Minute Studios. Smash! <laughs> <laughs> in fairness i you know i i was a when it comes to the pearl jam stuff i just i was in college in the 90s that was like the pearl jam time i don't know the last time i listened to a pearl jam song that's a that's there's certain there's a nostalgic affection for pearl jam but uh no i, I, I heck we did our um gosh in our first or second episode of the show Eric, you and I did our like our t- like five or ten favorite vocalists. Eddie Vedder was not in there for either of us. Oh well, me, I didn't say anything about Pearl Jam. Yeah, you're 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 the one who's going to have to defend Pearl Jam now. I got their first album, and uh, I don't have anything else. So we're going to get more into the uh, sexualization of of the Dead Flesh tomorrow, but it it very briefly starts in this minute because when Aura removes the shroud. From Flash, there's for some reason there's a star emblem on that shroud, and when she takes off the shroud, you realize the star emblem 
was directly above Flash's crotch. Yeah, Ming was going to stop that corpse. <laughs> well, yeah, that's, um, hey, you said it, Brad. Yeah. <laughs> we all know it's happening. We all know. We all know your dirty little secrets, and so do your minions, and I'm totally going to pay them off and get every little tidbit, yeah. <laughs> <sighs> oh, we're having fun. And then calling back to yesterday's minute, um, Simpsons, Flash. So the only thing I can find on Google, uh, so you know, I don't know how complete Google is with Simpsons with the minutia they have, but I got uh, – there is a background – character that looks like Ming in one shot of The Simpsons in one episode is the only thing I can find. The only other thing of note I wanted to call people out uh, is a drawing of comic book guy dressed as The Flash, which is very humorous. Hey folks, if you're going to dress like The Flash, you got to look fast and you got to be fast. I I, I remember I ran a, <laughs> uh, a, a, a marathon relay and I looked to the left, and, you know, there's a handful of people that participate in marathons, dress up in costumes. And it could be something as simple as, eh, there's some guys wearing pink tutus, which is actually wonderful because they're usually doing it because they're running for, like, a race for the cure or something like that. Uh, I remember when I ran, I ended up wearing a pink headband because it was the same thing. Our, our team was running for uh, raising money for uh, – to, to battle cancer or to fund cancer research. But I looked to my left and there's a guy in a full flash costume. And I'm like, dude, you know, you're the only person here that really should win this race. If you're dressed as a flash, no one should be able to pass you. You're the gosh darn flash. And uh, it turns out he wasn't very fast. I, I was able to pass the flash, uh, which is weird because in another marathon I ran, I got, I got passed by Amish kids. <laughs> Well, I mean, there's nothing else for them to do, right? Except, like, farm work and... Yeah, they got to be very physically fit, you know? They're building barns and tilling the soil. I mean... It's amazing what you can do without the distraction of modern technology. Yeah, exactly. It made sense for the physical fitness. But here's the thing. I was passed by a, like, 14, 15-year-old Amish girl wearing basically Ked sneakers, but in a full dress. Shame. Or wait, or can they wear sneakers? Is that like evil? You can wear sneakers. Not evil sneakers. Yeah, you know, I, 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 I they're gonna take it. They're, they're gonna keep away from buying her Jordans, I imagine. <laughs> but she was wearing like her full dress with the bonnet, and she just zipped by me. I'm like, oh, I'm gonna go take a nap now. This is <laughs> Mary Sue just is kicking my butt. So, and then there was like, you know, a kid, you know. A 13-year-old kid with a full beard going by me next, and he's in his overalls. Is like, ah, okay. Apparently, this uh, moisture-wicking technology can only be asked to do so much. I do want to put it out there for all the listeners. If anyone is, is a designer, I think it would be really awesome if a fan were to create a new font based on that Flash Gordon name font and just called the font. Flash. Ah. Mm, okay. Yeah, yeah. I would like that. I would like that. The challenge has been thrown out, folks. I know we got. Uh, it, we've been building our audience, and the, the the creative people love this movie. So, uh, yeah. I'm look. I'm looking at you. I'm looking at you, artistic listeners. All right, Kathleen. Uh, it's been another wonderful, wonder, wonderful evening talking with you. 
Um, again, you, you work for the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation, doing excellent work. And uh, that website for that is cff.org? Yes, that is www.cff.org. Visit today. Sorry, that's my radio voice. It's terrible. Uh, visit, donate, and uh, which, which branch are you with? Uh, I work for the national office, so remotely in Wyoming, but for the office in Maryland. I'm all over the place and I'm trapped. It's fine. It's totally fine. I have I have wine. It's cool. It's t- as long as the wine doesn't run out, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, you gotta do what you gotta do. So... As long as I don't eat, I haven't gone to the stage of cannibalism yet. So that's good, everyone. I'm still okay there. So Very good. Eric, where can people find out more about Flash Gordon Minute? I'll say this in my radio voice. Join us on our fan page on Facebook. It's the Flash Gordon Minute Listener's Vortex, everybody. You can also send us an email, flashgordonminute at gmail.com, or check us out on Twitter, <laughs> Flash Gordon Pod. <laughs> oh, my God, that was so good. <laughs> that's a pretty good radio voice. And again, folks, we do not script this. That This is all coming off the top of his head. So that is amazing, Eric. All right. Well, I, everyone, we recommend you. We recommend uh, rate and review us on iTunes. The more ratings we get, the more uh, visibility we get on iTunes or, or Apple's, Apple Podcasts. And uh, it's been another great week. Uh, we're we're going to finish it up tomorrow with Minute 38. Very cool stuff happening. And, uh, you know, Eric, I'm feeling pretty good, but I, I, I am worried now. Oh, what are you worried about there, man? What if we do lose our Tanzanian off, uh, audience? I don't know if we can handle that 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 big a loss of our uh, 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 that big a loss of of our listenership. Well, if our listenership coming over there on the other side of the Atlantic Ocean just starts to drop out of the top forty, don't worry about it, Brad. Flash will save every one of us. Attention, listeners! You can follow us on Twitter at Flash Gordon Pod. And join the conversation on Facebook in the Flash Gordon Minute Listener's Vortex. Stay tuned for our next thrilling episode of Flash Gordon Minute. Why we sit 